You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 173. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. And as always, it's an honor and a privilege to have you here for the next 30 minutes or so. I hope you have been enjoying our topics as of late. I know a lot of you in the uh, United States, at least, are on spring break, getting ready to enjoy spring break. And for that very reason, I hope that you have been paying attention to some of the shows, especially episode 167, Drinking in College, and 168, about chemicals and booze and how they operate in your body. And mind you, I am not going to be that dude who tries to get on some pulpit and says, do as I say, not as I do, because I did not spend 12 years in college because uh, I was sitting in the library on a Friday night. I don't even think I went to the library on Tuesday nights. So I am not going to tell you not to do whatever you're going to do in the college world and have the fun you desire to have. I would just highly recommend that you're mindful of the habits you're creating now being ones you contend with in the future because that version of you will exist and you don't just leave college and turn off the hardcore party person. That can take some time to transition away from, if at all. And I know a lot of people develop drinking habits in college that they ultimately uh, pay the price for down the road. And that is a great segue to discussing what today's topic is going to be on. Because I recently was in a session with a client, in case you weren't aware. um, I actually do coaching around um, what we discuss on the show with clients, people just like you, who are looking to really... Uh, affect the change they want to see in the world and the change they want to see in themselves, really. You know, if you've got some emotions and, and some mental and some physical and some things going on inside of you, some shifts, some changes that you're having a hard time pinpointing why. And I, I like to say that I'm I'm like halfway between a life coach and a therapist because I'm not a licensed therapist yet. That starts in the fall. Uh, but I don't just do life coaching where I ask you a bunch of questions and give you some things to do and go do them. I, I'm in the middle where I can help you heal some of that emotional um, trauma that you've dealt with in your childhood, some of the baggage you're still carrying around. I help you set that stuff down, unpack it, see what's really serving you, what's not, release what that is not serving you and, and put what's going to keep serving you the lessons to be learned from your past back in the backpack because this is an adventure that we're on together and so if you've ever thought hmm i really like what this guy I like the cut of his jib um, then i would highly recommend you reach out and just know that i'm available so it's not too hard to find me you can always uh, email me um, jesse at jessemogul.com or you can go to my website and ask me a question I think it's called Ask Me is the thing. You can ask a question or you can always go to Jesse Mogul on Instagram and hit me up that way. Water break. And I appreciate you going through that with me because I'm feeling a little dehydrated today. And so I'm talking to this client the other day and we were discussing how she's got this old version of herself um, that she doesn't want living inside of her anymore. This this old version of herself that 
um, had limiting beliefs and lacked self um, awareness and didn't believe that she had self worth and low self esteem. And I was reminding her that while you move on from the person you used to be, and for those of you who are traditional college students, you very well might find yourself looking back at who you were in elementary, middle, high school, and now into college, or if you're still living in one of those um, you know, secondary education places before you go off to higher education, you might still be living a version of yourself that you don't really like. You know, I was a child who was moved around a lot didn't have a chance to really make a lot of roots. Therefore, I didn't have a lot of friends. I was the new kid in school more times than I cared to count. Because of that, I noticed that um, I tended to make friends with whomever I could pretty fast in elementary, middle, and high school. And those tended to be the nerdy types, the ones who would sit in the library and read and play chess. Um, Because they were always more than willing to have another person who's ask they could kiss, kick in chess or sit there and talk about topics that, you know, nowadays we could find a plethora of information about on YouTube. But back in the day, we had to read books to find out information on or subscribe to magazines. And because of the social circle that I tended to run with, um, as I got out of high school and into college, I very much did not want to be the person on a Friday night sitting in somebody's apartment watching movies and just hanging out with the dudes. I wanted to be the one who went to the parties. I wanted to be the one that the girls enjoyed talking to and the dudes wanted to go out and hang out with. And that's what I made happen. And I did that through my drinking and through my partying ways. And I was very, very defined that that was what was more important to me, even above my grades. And it showed in the fact that I was asked to leave Ball State University after three years And I did get my AA from Valencia. I crawled my way through a degree at University of Florida. And ultimately, I've learned so much more since I've left college, which is oddly enough coming up. I think this is the, this August will be the 17 year anniversary of me officially graduating. And I graduated at 30. And one of the coolest things that has come from this post-college education that I put myself through, especially since I got sober when I turned 40, was that I actually am quite good at learning. Uh, Clearly, I can learn a great deal of information and then regurgitate it back out to y'all with running through the Jesse filter, right? I'm able to articulate things in a very uh, nice way so that it can be assimilated into your life and you can go off and take action with it. And so I look back at the version of me from my 20s and 30s, not with disdain or disappointment or anger, but as just a version of me that was learning, that was my experimentation phase in what it could be like to have very little responsibility and just take care of myself all the time. And in now into my mid-40s, I'm still not all that great about taking time out for others. I still have that... Um, I wouldn't call it selfishness because I care about others. I just tend to favor what I want over what other people want. And I know you might say that sounds like the definition of selfishness. I think it's only selfish when you make promises and then you don't follow through because you want to do what you want to do. I just don't make a whole lot of promises. So people are like, well, can you do this? Nope, I've already got something booked that time. I've already got something I'm doing. I do a lot of things. And I want you to be mindful that who you were or currently may even be in the middle school, the high school, the college world, this isn't necessarily the version of you that you're sticking with. 
There's going to be an evolution of your personality, of your character. There's going to be a lot of shifting and changing that comes once you get a job and you take on certain responsibilities. And then here comes a, perhaps you're going to get married one day and perhaps there's children and a mortgage and a car payment. And for some of you who are non-traditional students, this might very well be your life currently. When you look back and perhaps you've got some level of disappointment, disdain, um, contemptment, not content, but contempt right? C-O-N-T-E-M-P. I'm contempt about that person. If you've got a level of contemptment about who you used to be, I want you to realize that there's no reason to hate that person. There's no reason to go back and vilify them any more than you probably already have to this point. I want you to realize that that was all just part of your journey, that you can't go back and delete years. Um, i yeah, there's not a part of me that thinks that I could not have succeeded on SportsCenter and been on one of these myriad of ways of, of being a sports broadcaster now had I come out of school in 1998 and stuck with that field, right? We would be looking at 20-some years now. I would have had a chance to do that. Who knows? Who knows where I would have been able to take that, especially considering the skills that I believe that I currently have on stage and on a microphone and my ability to speak off the cuff, and improvisation, and things of that nature. But a lot of this stuff I worked on really, really, really hard in Los Angeles. And I may not have had those opportunities. Um, surely could have learned them. And maybe I would have gone on and tried to do the Sports Center thing back in 1998-99, and maybe I wouldn't have. I, I don't know. And that's one of the things I want you to really focus on as you start working your way through your life experiences is that you don't get to destroy and throw away that version of yourself that used to be. That version can pick a row on your bus of life, and maybe it's way, way, way in the back where all they can do is heckle you and try to bully you to be who you used to be, but they're so far back in the bus you barely can make out what they're saying over all the noise of all your other versions of yourself. Then put the ones that you like the most as close to you in the driver's seat as you possibly can. You're not going to be able to just completely eliminate the memories of who you used to be. And if you live in a small town or you go back to a small town after you leave college, there might be some people who want to remind you that you picked your nose when you were in fifth grade or that you peed yourself at some camp trip when you were in third grade. And those people might want to live in the past because their past might be exactly where they believe that they were at their best. Think Al Bundy from Married with Children. Right, still talking about the four touchdowns he got his senior year in high school football. It's like that was his pinnacle. Now he sells shoes to women in a horrible shoe store, and his family doesn't enjoy his company. I don't know how many of y'all know Married with Children, but Al Bundy was hilarious, and he was the dad in that modern family. He was like the patriarch. He was like the grandpa, I would say, is what his character was. Um, anyways, Married with Children, hilarious. And this guy, and there's been plenty of movies that where you, you hear them talking about their glory days of their high school or their college years. And allow those people, if they decide to be stuck in the past, because they're not moving forward in their present. You've moved on or are in the process of moving on from who you used to be. Right? The person can sit all the way in the back of the bus and you can choose to laugh at all the dumb crap they say to try to bully you into thinking you're still that person, try to bully you into thinking that you should go back to being that version of yourself. There are some positive attributes. Perhaps you're a hard worker or you make friends easily. 
and you do that because back in the day you weren't very good with your grades or you didn't or you didn't have a lot of friends and you wanted to have more friends when you got into college the ego doesn't want to get hurt it doesn't want to feel rejection so it's going to tell ourselves things in order for us to stay in our comfort zone and I think this is a great opportunity to segue into the second phase of this conversation is the idea that our unconscious mind is this reciprocal it's, it's it's this reciprocal no reciprocal isn't the right word it's receptacle right I was thinking like trash receptacle but your unconscious mind is the receptacle of your entire existence and it is has a voracious appetite it can take in all of the surroundings, all of the lessons. It can remember every single little moment of your life. And it files them according to what it thinks it wants you to do again and what it doesn't want you to do. And its general whole purpose is just keep you safe and it's to keep you alive. So you have this unconscious mind with this voracious appetite and your ego is its sous chef. Your ego is making a dinner. And it's going to be extremely important for us to realize that as you begin to move forward, that this ego feeding into your unconscious desires, dreams to keep you consistently safe might actually be the very thing that's holding you back. I mean, look at it this way. Look at it this way. So you got this unconscious mind sitting at a table and it's just, ah, ah, feed me, feed me, feed me, but only feed me things that make me feel comfortable. Only feel, feed me things that make me feel safe. So the ego goes around looking, looking. What can I feed him to keep him safe? What can I feed him to make the unconscious mind happy? And then you get offered an opportunity to speak on stage. You get offered an opportunity to become the leader in one of your clubs. You get offered the opportunity to take a really great job somewhere in a big city, bigger than a city you've ever been in. The unconscious mind is going to start pushing back on that. It's going to be fearful of putting yourself in a situation where you might get rejected, you might get humiliated, you might get hurt. It's got this, this coding that makes it think that it's still operating in back of the day whenever, you know, saber-toothed cats could eat us. It is extremely important that you monitor those internal sensations when the unconscious mind starts feeding you information that you're not worthy, that you shouldn't take something on. That is the ego seeking not to get hurt. And if you've heard of Freud and you've understood any, even just a little bit about psychology, you've heard of Freud, the psychologist from back in the day. And he had the ego the id and the superego, right? So we've got this this whole triumvirate, if you will, of what Freud believed was the entire existence of why we are who we are. And I remember thinking when I started doing research on this, it's like Freud really put people into this idea that there's the id, the ego, and the superego. He created this, and mind you, I mean, born in 1856 and dying in 1939. Um, back in the day, I mean, medicine and the study of, of of health and just wellness in general was so rudimentary. It was just, you know, that's caveman era compared to where we are now. But there are still some good things to take from this. You know, so let's discuss real fast how these three parts of the of the mind can be playing out for you. Knowing that this unconscious mind is this, you know, it is literally a never-ending hard drive. It's this receptacle of everything that you've ever done in your life. And if the ego is what's feeding it, right, because the unconscious mind's 
saying, hey, I want to stay safe. Well, the ego is going to do things. Now, I get for a lot of us, we've stepped outside of our comfort zone and we say, no, I've gotten up on stage and I never did it before I loved it. Yes, absolutely. And we've talked about this in many episodes when we discuss the six human needs and we talk about these unconscious drivers. You want to be reminded about that. I mean, there's so many different ways that we've talked about this, but you can go back to episode 134 where I talk specifically about the six human needs. You can go back to episode 135 where I talk about the adult versus kid ego. And even all the way up to 144 when we discuss how you're creating your habits. And we did that at the beginning of this semester. One of the reasons why this is such a powerful thing to talk about is because your unconscious mind wants to keep you safe. The ego wants to feel good about itself. So they they work in tandem. And they could very well be holding yourself back. And when you have the six human needs of certainty, variety, connection, significance, growth, and contribution, those can override this desire to stay safe because there's going to be this internal, I, I, I call it the internal combustible engine. You have this engine inside of you that wants fuel. And if its fuel is variety or if its fuel is significance or contribution, connection, and somebody offers you the opportunity to lead something and then all of a sudden you're getting your certainty, variety, connection, significance, growth, and contribution needs met through running this club and being the leader of the club, it's going to override the unconscious and ego's desires to just continuously keep you safe. In fact, it'll convince itself, those needs will, that you can only be safe when you start to push yourself into these directions. It's that toward versus away. I'll have the away energy of, oh my goodness, I'm going to be a loser. I'm just going to sit at home on a Friday night. I better take on this leadership role. That's what some people have chosen, and it worked out great for them. I said, I don't want to be sitting at home. I don't want to be a loser. I don't want to just want to be hanging out with a bunch of dudes watching movies on a Friday night. So I chose alcohol and drugs. Not the best, most rational decision one could have made. But I was 17 and 18 years old and I was an idiot. I just did whatever made me feel good in the moment. I lacked impulse control. I, I did. I did. I lacked a ton of impulse control. I was all about instant gratification. And so think about how if the unconscious mind and the ego are seeking to keep you safe, and then you have these unconscious needs that need to be met, right? Now they're both battling within the unconscious mind. And if you have an away energy where you don't want to be the loser who doesn't know how to lead people because your dad or your mom told you that you weren't a good leader and you said, I'll prove to you, it's going to override that. And conversely, if you had somebody, your mom or your dad as a child, telling you that you were a loser and you weren't a good leader, then the idea of actually becoming a leader could scare the hell out of you because you decided at a young age to agree with them. So some people will agree with what they're taught as children. Some people will disagree. We're given options on what we can do to stay within the confines of the rules of society, but it does not mean that we're always going to do that. And that's why we're starting to talk about this ego, the id, and the superego. Now, the ego, this conscious mind, this is the part of you that is consciously making decisions, whether it's choosing what ice cream you're going to eat at the restaurant or what time you want to go to the park. These are conscious decisions being made by you. We're inclined to think that the mind is just what it is, right? That that it is just these conscious decisions that we're making and all the other stuff is just, you know, other people's voices and just memories of, of a day far gone. But there's more to our mind. 
The ego does so many things other than just making these simple decisions, and it sits at the top of the right. It, it is the tip of the iceberg, uh, with the in the superego being further down. And that when the ego has decision making processes, it reasons, it argues, it plans, it organizes, it deliberates. Right? It makes sense of our experiences. It's it's seeking to make meaning. Now it's making meaning based on conscious thought. The unconscious mind, the id, the superego, they're they're back there making their own meaning as well. And somebody sort of gives you a little side eye while you're talking to them. The conscious mind's like, oh my gosh, they don't agree with me. They're rejecting me. I'm going to humiliate myself if I keep on this path. The unconscious mind's making its all up, making its own decisions. Oh, I remember when somebody did that to us 17 years ago, and this is what I meant. Yeah, but what about that person 12 years ago who did that same eye movement, and this is what they meant? What about this, and what about that? And it's seeking to make meanings as well. The ego is going to make the decision to have the vanilla ice cream based on its level of reasoning, planning, organizing, deliberating, whatever. Maybe it's it's like, well, I haven't had vanilla ice cream in a while. Or, wow, last time I had vanilla ice cream, it was delicious. Or I, it was disgusting. And that's how those decisions are being made. Now, you bring in the id, right, the second part of the mind, this, again, repository. Oh, did I get that right? Repository this time? Um, I think so. It's in my notes now. This repository of these urges and desires. We identify ourselves through what we believe our reasons are behind our actions, behind our intentions. But we judge others based on what they actually do. So if we're identifying ourselves with reasons, right, then we have these urges, we have these desires. We want to blame this urge to drink or this urge to, to have sex or this urge to talk nasty behind people's back or this urge to say nice things in front of people's faces. These are all, we believe, being based on external factors. We externalize our actions, let's say, to satisfy ourselves physically through a relationship or whatever. These bodily desires, we believe, are outside ourselves. Well, I feel this way because they said this thing to me or they look this particular way. But it's actually coming from the unconscious mind. We, over a period of time, have figured out what it is that we're attracted to for various reasons. A lot of men will marry women who look like their mothers, just like a lot of women will marry men who look like their fathers. And it's not because they wanted to have sex with their mother or father. That's not the case. It is because we've pedestaled them. There was a part of us that fell in love. That was the the first person as a child we can remember really loving. So we start looking for similar traits. Now that works out great if our mom or dad was a really awesome person. Not so great Right, if they showed signs of mental unstableness in the health specter, if they were physically unhealthy, if they were manipulative or narcissistic or just mean or cruel or spoke unkindly to us and we just learned to live with it, it's not so good to go find somebody who models your parents when you were younger if that wasn't a good model. So if the id is always with us, right, from childhood on, it's what's teaching us self-control. But it's the idea, no, hold on, let me take that back. Before we're taught self-control as children, the id is basically what's present and in charge. It's that it's like when there's like a two or three-year-old who just, you know, I want a candy bar, and then I want a fruit roll-up, and then I want juice, and I want that, and I want this. And it's like a constant want machine. It's because the id's in charge. It's, a, it's the reptilian brain. It just wants, 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 wants. As we get older and more cultured, 
We begin to suppress the yin. And even when we engage in these uncultured behaviors, right, that's when the human needs take over. So let's say that oh, next thing you know, you're, you're drinking too much, you're sleeping around, you're showing up late to class. These things that go against the societal norms of what is considered to be, let's say, quote unquote, a good student in college. That's when the human needs this desire for certainty, variety, connection, significance, growth, and contribution. That's when they start to creep in. That's when the unconscious mind says, yeah, I know what society says we should be doing, but I really want these needs fulfilled. And I think these are going to be the way for me to achieve it. And then dopamine and serotonin and endorphins get involved. And we start to rewrite the entire code of our brain. And then we have the superego. Superego is... This is some really cool stuff. It is the ego that lets us know what is allowed and what is not. And this is really based on that whole societal norm thing. And remember, when we break society's rules, we feel shame. When we break our own internal rules, that's when we feel guilt. So if you feel shame, that's the superego letting you know that you did something that society says you're not allowed to do. The superego determines what it is we are and are not allowed to do, what rules from society we choose to follow, and which rules from society we choose to ignore. Almost all human beings are raised by, like, yeah, there's some parent. And this is, the, okay, all human beings are raised by something. I mean, unless you grew up on the woods or on the streets, and even then the streets raised you. But the idea is that all humans are at some level are taught a version of right or wrong and how to function and behave in society as children. Now, it may not have been the best version of right or wrong or how to function and behave in society, right? You could have a a very racist parent teaching what they believe is right or wrong and how to function and behave in society, and that may not be at all what society is going to be expecting from that child when they grow up. But we have to learn some level of right or wrong, some level of function and behavior in society in order for us to stay in the status quo, for us not to get kicked out of the tribe. And our unconscious level wants us to stay safe. And 30-some thousand years ago, whatever, when cave people were running around, if the safer you, you were the most safest when you were around other people. If you were ostracized from the tribe, it was damn near sure death. So we have these expectations that society places upon us to be in line with what their rules are and to, and to dissuade us from our natural desires. At our core, we are animals who want to eat, sleep, procreate, and drink beverages. Like, right? We, I mean, we're, we're no more elevated than the jungle cat when it comes to our basic desires. We repress them, right? We suppress them because that's we're expected to do that into society. And you're noticing that when you get off to college. Right? You might be one way and then you say something and somebody gives you side eye and you really want to be in that group and you realize, wow, if I'm going to be in this group, I can't say this thing or I can't behave this way. And you will suppress your natural desires because you want to fit into this one particular group. I loved studying. I loved being studious. I very much enjoyed my life in high school. I just wanted to be more popular. I felt ostracized and bullied, and I just didn't want to live like that in college. I went against my natural desires to be studious, to get the grades, to go off and become a sports broadcaster. I suppressed those in order to have women around me and cool dudes want to be my friend. I was 18 years old, and then that became my habit. So then it just grew. So then you're like, well, why didn't you stop that at 27? Because by that point, I was 10 years into the habit. 
It was it was just I was meeting my human needs. My unconscious mind now found safety in being extremely inebriated and putting myself in uncomfortable situations to meet new people because at least I wasn't behaving like I did in high school. It overrode the the unconscious mind's natural desire to not allow me to step into situations that were on, that weren't safe and said, don't worry, we can figure this out. This is where you see some people with an extreme amount of street smarts versus people with book smarts. Those who kept themselves sheltered versus those who threw themselves to the wolves and survived. And I want you to understand that neither can be, neither are really right or wrong. It's subjective perspective, right? You're meeting your ego, id, and superego's needs through all of your behaviors, and that's coming from the, the desire to fulfill the six human needs: impulse control, instant gratification. You know, enjoying the the waiting, being curious about stuff, the anticipation, the determination, the discipline. These are all principles that you begin to build up around the person you want to be. Some of the hardest workers I've ever met in my life were that were addicts because they wanted to make sure they had a car, a roof over their head, and a fridge with at least enough f- food to feed them when they came down. I've met just as many people who were extremely hardworking and yet didn't have many of those things at all. Subjective perspective on what you believe is the best life for you. I want you to be mindful that whomever you used to be, if that's a version of yourself you're not thrilled with, you're not throwing that version of you into the garbage disposal and washing it down into the sewage pipes. It doesn't work that way. That was a version of you then. Who are you going to be now? Who do you want to be as you go off and achieve your best life through higher education and on into stepping into the working force all in? Let's figure this out. Who you decide to be will begin to form your standards of your habits and your actions. And then you will begin to meet your human needs in order to achieve fulfillment of the ego, id, and superego. And all of this is working in concert in your mind at the same time. Your mind is taking all of this stuff in and it's figuring you out. Who do you want to be? Your unconscious mind has a voracious appetite and your ego is its sous chef. Be mindful of the decisions that you're making because they are creating habits that you will contend with later. Period, point blank. And there might be a version of you that you absolutely love right now and then another version of you that is not, not somebody you want to continue to be. So I want you to ask yourself this question. I call it my problem statement question. I want blank, or I want to blank. Just remember, I want blank, but I can't because blank. I want to get good grades, but I can't because I drink all the time. Okay, we can solve that. I want to make money because I, um, I want more money because I can't, but I can't because I don't have time to get a job. I want to go on vacation, but I can't because I don't have the money for a plane ticket. I want to have a, a partner who I'm compatible with and enjoys my company, but I can't because blank. What are your answers to that question? I want blank, but I can't because blank. And yes, I get that that whole sentence is steeping in being out of effect, but that's good. It's good to create a sentence that puts you out of effect so then you can step back into how can I cause a change in the but I can't because. Because you can influence the change. 
but you won't know how to influence it until you can answer this question. I want blank, but I can't because blank. When you have an answer to that, I because I, but I can't because I don't have the money. We can figure out ways to make more money. I want to lose weight, but I can't because all my friends enjoy cheeseburgers. Okay, that's a solvable problem. But you have to clearly define what your problem is. And in order to do that, you're often going to answer with your conscious mind. But what you really want, that's in your unconscious mind. And if you're not able to tap into that and figure out that true answer, you should definitely hit me up because that's what I help people figure out. What is it that they really want? We figure out what's holding you back. We pull that out of the backpack. We clean it all up, repack the backpack, and send you on your merry way. There is no final peak to your mountains in the journey of life until you take that last breath. Otherwise, every single day is another opportunity to go all the way up. All right, my friends. As always, if you want to know more, jesse at jessemogul.com. Go to my website, jessemogul.com. Hit Ask Me. Hit me up on Instagram at jessemogul. Send me a DM. Let me know how I can be of assistance. Perhaps you want to come speak at your school. Perhaps you know somewhere really awesome that I could be of service to the community. Let me know, and I will see about making that happen. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity. The power of positive energy. Release and flow. See you next week. Goodbye. <laughs> 